Welcome to the Brian Piergrossi Podcast, the podcast community for living your best life and creating a more beautiful world. Each episode, we inquire into the frontiers of inner peace, love, freedom, creativity, and empowerment with authors, artists, musicians, healers, spiritual teachers, yogis, activists, revolutionaries, entrepreneurs, comedians, scientists, psychologists, poets, mystics, and you. These conversations are unedited and always 100% authentic to how they happened. I'm your host, personal coach and author Brian Piergrossi. I've worked for over 13 years with thousands of people around the world to break through unconscious limiting belief systems and bring healing, transformation, and inspired manifestation to those who are ready and interested. For online personal sessions with me or in-person sessions with me in the magic of the Blue Ridge Mountains of Asheville, North Carolina, contact me at thebigglow.com. The sponsor of this podcast is you. If you appreciate our community, become a patron supporter at patreon.com slash the big glow. Welcome to the Brian Pergrossi podcast. That's me, Brian Pergrossi, Kevin Walton with us. Back with us. He was with us before. Second time on the podcast, and you know, I was, I was, um, I was listening to some of your stuff last night. Uh, it was an Instagram video, actually, and it just kind of struck me again. Like to me, this I'm kind of get. I don't usually like come out with like an endorsement right off the bat here, but it's just so clear and coherent in, in like what you're sharing. And I just think that you know you're just a really, really valuable, important voice right now. And and also the what you share too. I'm just really impressed how it sort of hit it's very like it hits like spirituality kind of self-realization realizing who you really are psychology emotional intelligence physicality the body so it's like this full teaching that uh, i just think it's really um it's really amazing you know and i'm just really happy to have you here thank you brother i appreciate that immensely man it means a lot thank you you're welcome so when when people ask you this has been a kind of a fun question to start these podcasts because i I feel like I have people that sort of live, you know, unconventional lives to a certain degree. They're living creatively. They're living kind of as, as life artists. So when, when people ask you like, you know, like, what do you do? Or, you know, how, how do you answer that? How do you answer that question? Uh, it's, at this point, it's usually a list. I, I do my best <laughs> to compile it. Right? And, and the way I like to group at least this particular aspect is, Transformation specialist, spiritual guide, activational speaker. That's that aspect. And, uh-huh. then, and then along with that, then I'll include actor, filmmaker, writer. And then, then I just kind of piece all that uh, artist or new musician. I just throw it all in there. Um, but the, the, it's because to me, it's two different kind of groupings of my life, but all still serving the same purpose. And so when I express it, I usually honor both spaces. I don't know if I've really taking the time to see if I could sum it all up in a word or one labeling phrase, but I'll get there. Who knows if they'll come through at some point. Yeah. But you're doing multiple, <laughs> you got multiple things happening, which is awesome. 
And you're you're on a you're recurring character on a show, right? Mm-hmm. Just yeah, sisters on uh, BET. Exactly. Yeah, Tyler Perry's show called Sisters on BET every Wednesday, and uh, we're now in season two of that. And I'm a recurring character in there, which has been awesome. That's awesome. You can check him out there. And um, and you're doing uh, you're doing some writing, and you have some ideas for for your own films or. Yeah, I actually wrote a few scripts years ago and, and had a, a production company with a few friends of mine uh, years ago. And, it, and because of certain experiences that we've created and, and uh, went through, that company isn't active anymore. But during that time period, I wrote a few scripts and, and directed a project, uh, acted in a few of the projects. So that's always still been in me, just like, you know, being a, me being a hip hop artist and writer and, and musician, that's always in me. Yeah. So now that this has taken off in this particular area, that desire of bringing more things to the fold and also to bring this kind of, you know, insight and wisdom into that arena is something I've always been called by. And so I, I keep the idea of that on the table. And as I'm finishing up, you know, the structural flow of my courses and everything else I'm doing on that side, I'm going to be making sure I share, I devote a little bit more of attention to that side, writing films, shows, scenes, you know, skits with, my partner with uh, a few of our other friends and, and uh, just started a production company now with a couple of my buddies in Georgia. So we'll be bringing all that to the fold too, aside from writing the books based on my practice and creatorhood and insights. So it's kind of the writing aspect is in all of those facets. That's awesome. Yeah. And we forgot to mention you just did that you're, you're a musical artist as well. That's actually when I first met you in person, um, 3DL in North Carolina, yeah. I saw you up on stage rapping and doing some music and, yeah 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 it seems like a different lifetime i know we evolve constantly so much yeah so when i when when i when i think of like what your message is about to me it's about this is how i would phrase it but i want to hear how you phrase it but i think of it as like owning your power like like recognizing the power that is within you realizing you know this inherent power that's in you does that does that resonate uh, I would I would say as part of it, it's okay. it's recognizing the power you are and then using it for deliberate purpose. So mm-hmm. to me, it's that aspect. It's it's not just the realization of it or the recognition of it. It's the encouragement of now that you're aware of this, use it how it's always been designed to be used in a more conscious and then synergistic way. Because the mm-hmm. way I break down the practice is that it's it's really about like creatorhood as a as a spiritual practice or a spiritual path or a you know life path. I call it the art of living from truth because the whole premise of it is that we remember what is always true about us, regardless of our narratives. And we truly honor the, what life and consciousness love all, all it really cares about, which is living uh, your fullest authentic expression. And that's always why I always talk about like, how do, how do you uncover where you are to then adjust or compound where you want to be? And the, the supreme purpose for everyone, for consciousness, is to be your fullest authentic expression. And then what that looks like for every individual is different according to their own individual expression of source. So the, the premise really is, here, here's the truth about you, right? The power that you are, that is always at your disposal, that you are gifted, you know, the, the ability to, to use and do and be from that which created everything. And then here's how you can use it in a way that is the most optimal for you and all of life. And that's literally how I would encapsulate the practice. Cause then it breaks down to all the components of that. Sweet. And it's, yeah. it's an interesting thing. Power is an interesting thing because 
I've noticed over the years that word, people actually have a negative connotation about it. And they feel like it's like, like to have power or to be powerful is somehow not a good thing or it's something, is that something that you've noticed? And what do you think that's about? Yeah, I, I, it's about the, you know, a lot of things as a species, we've based off of duality consciousness. So we look at the idea of things outside of ourselves in separate measure, and then not just separate, but opposed. So we think of the idea of these things from that premise, including masculine and feminine energy. We have this idea that the misalignments of them is how it's actually designed to be. And so I feel like that's the premise of what happens with power, where, they, where the connotation is power is, you know, people that have say over other people's lives or dominate or the most powerful, the ones that have the most stuff or all that all the things that are based on stuff outside of us. Yet in, in creatorhood, what I'm always teaching is that everything in creation, all of life flows from the inside out. Uh, that means that no one has control over anyone. But if you're not living in a more self-aware, more commanded sense of self, you'll just be kind of using your creative energy all over the place and, and, and your life will reflect that. And you'll think that's you being at the whim of things. So what I, what I share and guide people on with power is that all power is, is life force energy. That's it. It's the thing that's, that, that is alive in everything, is animating everything. To me, that's how I define and associate and uh, identify power. And then what happens is, if you're, if the more embodied you are of self, the more self-accepting you are, the clearer you are, the more life force energy you harness, you access, you use. That's being more powerful. Because then the, the more embodied with more power, more life force energy, the more deliberate you can be about what you create, what you do with it. And it's different than when you don't feel powerful and you think the answer is getting it outside of yourself. That's where the idea of bullying comes from. That's where the idea of tyrants come from. It's when you don't actually feel the power in you and you think you got to do something about it. Because everyone who truly feels powerful don't, don't feel that inclination to dominate others because they're so in command of themselves. And then not only that, they'll encourage or guide or be an inspiration for others to step into more themselves. And that's the difference to me. When you, when you think it's based on something outside of you, it will always end up having a connotation or judgment as being uh, bad, negative, all those things. And, and then created, I don't even speak in terms of like positive, negative, good or bad. It's all just either functioning in a misalignment or alignment, limitation or expansion. Um, and anytime we think the answer is outside of ourselves, we end up perpetuating misalignment. You know, because we're we're literally living in contradiction of nature when we do that. Yeah, it seems like so much of what I see, um, kind of in the mainstream media or what people are doing or perpetuating is like there. There's this idea that the first of all, power is power is scarce. There's only a certain amount of it, right? And we have to kind of fight each other to get it. So there's this competition and there's this kind of you know manipulation and all these 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 you know. I mean, games would be, you know, the positive way. If it's a, sometimes it's not a game, it's just like warring and fighting and violence and emotional, psychological, physical. But anyway, th there's this idea that, yeah, power is scarce and the power is someone else has it and I don't have it. Right. So we have, it's like almost, like almost like a pie and we have to like get a bigger piece of the pie and other people are trying to get it. And it feels like that's, exactly. that's the narrative that you're, 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 um, inviting people to transcend and open up to something other than that. 
Exactly. Because that's because it's really the, the three core beliefs in duality consciousness, which duality consciousness isn't a real thing. It's just a belief. Mm-hmm. But the three core beliefs in it are scarcity, separation and opposition. So when we're functioning in that orientation, that's literally how we live our lives. You know what I mean? Where um, where the positions of authority, right, is really what we're talking about when people think like the people who make decisions for larger groups of people um, who have say over certain dynamics, it doesn't make them more or less powerful. Just like your boss at your job isn't more or less powerful than you. They just have a position and a role they're playing out that, that in that role is responsibility for making choices for the company for whatever. So same thing with heads of state, same thing with all this stuff. None of them are more powerful than anyone. Um, yet when we're in duality consciousness, we see positions of authority as power because we're already living from the idea of separation. And if we live from the idea of separation, we start to believe that that means somehow there's a little bit less to us depending on our position or we define our significance by stuff outside of us. And for me, this, this whole practice is about how to identify where you're playing out duality consciousness, integrate that space and step more into unity consciousness where you realize no matter what your roles are, the significance, the impact, the effectiveness of, of being is always there for everyone. And then it just becomes, are you well aware of the role you're playing? And do you really step into more of your leadership in that space? And that's where people that have majority of money or positions can be doing whatever they want. But if you're in a room together, we're having, we can, we can have a conversation about anything and know that we're like, the power is all dedicated to, am I feeling more embodied in the truth of myself or not? And then, and then it's a whole different ball game because then you start playing with the deliberateness of space, which is a whole nother aspect of the work that I talk about with this word I call, that's, I use called orenda. Uh, I just love the way that word sounds. But it really just means that it's, the Iroquois use it as a term from duality consciousness that whoever has, um, there's like all this spiritual energy looking to dominate the space that each person carries, right? That's how the Iroquois used it. Like everyone has a spiritual force that's looking to dominate, but that's a duality mentality, right? Like opposition and, and scarcity. And, you know, when, with the way I use it in unity consciousness is just simply the person that's the most deliberate in any one setting is the one that dictates how that setting goes. And the reason that happens is because they're far more aligned and attuned and focused with their creative energy than anyone else is in the space. And it doesn't mean they create the space for other people. It just means other people are creating from a space that's less deliberate. So they experience their life accordingly. And that's really what, what it looks, that's what's actually happening underneath what people think is power or dominance in the physical reality. It's just when someone's more deliberate, whether that's from a greater space of awareness or not, they're going to dictate the energy. If, if other people step in more deliberate, the energy will shift. And that's where someone walks in a room and the energy sucked out of the room and everyone's like, ah, oh. but they're just not realizing where they're creating it from. Or someone comes in the room and it's all chaotic and they're just peace and they're super deliberate and, and everything just settles. That's what Orenda is. And everyone has the capacity for that. Just not everyone actively lives or practices or makes priority to live that conscious of self in their everyday lives. And that's really what creatorhood is about as a practice is getting people to be that present, that conscious, that aware and that embodied to where we're doing it collectively in a synergistic manner, you know? Yeah. So it feels like it's like a, a de- this deliberate, this, this being that, that deliberate, it feels like it's like a, a, like being really present. It requires being really present. 
Um, but also having some conscious direction of create, exactly. cre- create creative energy or create a creative yep. direction, the combination yep, of the two. And it seems yeah. like that you don't normally hear those together. You say, oh, oh, just be, be here, you know. Like that seems like that's like the start, that's like the foundation. It's really, it's, you know, it's essential. But then you have people that are really into kind of like motivational speakers type stuff, like rah, rah, let's, you know, let's get there, let's get, but they're not present. But you're kind of bringing, you're bringing the two together. Exactly, exactly. We, the, the relationship of all life is, is how I describe it. And that's exactly what it is. It's never, it's like, you know, we're so used to saying this or that. It's like, and it's, it's all of it. If you're going to truly live in, in your most authentic embodiment of life, then you're going to recognize the relationship of all life. And that is being and letting the, the doing flow naturally from the being because you're that present, you're that clear, you're that tapped in. And so then every step you take in action, it's, it, you're just as present in every step in action. And then you're, and so all the action just thrives with more energy and more alignment. And it, you don't feel drained because you're still present and tapped in and you don't overwork yourself um, because you're, so you're appreciating everything in the moment and you're still taking action in the moment. And that relationship, that's like, that is the ideal. That's the alignment of truth and, and creatorhood and masculine feminine energy. All of the relationship of life functions in that dynamic. And the more self-aware we become, the more we realize the truth of that. And to me, that's what I see happening in the world where you're seeing more of us become more self-aware. Um, but when we first do, we're still working on shifting the interpretation out of duality consciousness into unity consciousness, which is, oh, it's not this is good and that's bad. It's all of it is on the table for a purpose. And am I in alignment with it all or misalignment with different portions? And how do I make that adjustment? And, and so... And so where you see spiritual communities that would say things like we're all one and at the same time say, don't be bringing that negative shit to me, right? <laughs> like, like separation, you're witnessing, yeah. oh, so I'm becoming more self-aware of things that are here, yet I'm still pulsating in and out of duality consciousness. Uh-huh. It's, so the point is I become self-aware to be that space of peace. And if someone shows up in any state, if I'm in unity consciousness and I'm in self-awareness enough, I can honor where they are without feeding the narrative. And not only that, if they're willing, guide them into a, a different space. And that's. Are you st- I think you. Yeah. You st- so someone just, yeah. I thought I turned okay. off my. You're there. Okay, good. I think, yeah. You know, no, that's, that, that's an interesting, that's an interesting thing. Like one of the things I hear, I've heard in spiritual circus a lot is like, oh, I need to make a shield for, for this exactly. person. I need to create some, whatever, all these, these kind of new age terms people have about. And it's like, it's, it's, to me, it's like, it's creating, you're creating a, a barrier of division where you're talking about something different. Maybe yeah. talk a little bit more about the difference between what, what you're offering and this kind of idea of like shielding off somebody or who's, who's yeah, viewed as negative. It's, exactly. It's still fear-based functioning with different language. You know, it's like, no matter how poetic you get about it, you're either living in love or you're living in fear. You don't live in both at the same time. And when you start living from love, you realize, you know, what love actually is. And the way I define love is that love is the acceptance of everything, but the acceptance of everything doesn't mean settling. It doesn't mean dealing with shit the way it is. It means that you simultaneously honor where, where you are, where everything is, and you move toward more of you, a greater capacity of you, a greater expression of you. So that's what love represents. It doesn't give a shit about 
all these other, well, this is like this and this, like love, love goes, cool. Here's where we're at. Here's this on the table. Here's your do. What do you honor this? What can you do with this information? Also, you're capable of doing this. Are we going there or not? And when, when people live in the idea of I have to protect myself, right? That's the fear-based mentality that if you're going to believe you have to have protection, you're going to create something to protect yourself from. Whereas if you recognize that you're safe and the mode is no matter what comes, I, I can handle it. I'm safe. I have all the resources to do that. It is a drastic shift of reality. And I can attest that in my own personal journey and thousands of other people I've worked with and just other people's stories. I don't even have a like physical interaction with that represents the, the, the own proof, proof and evidence of that. So when we, when we think we're tapping into a greater space, we can become more self-aware. It doesn't mean we're living in the greater embodiment of it initially. So when, when someone talks about protection, all I hear is I'm not in command of my energy enough yet. Because the more in command of the energy you become, everything shifts in your presence. And it's real. It's not just like abstract, esoteric. It's, you know, like you already said at the beginning of this interview, the practice that I, that I share and guide is comprehensive. Yeah. So it literally it simultaneously has you recognizing your multidimensional existence and living it in a practical everyday embodiment. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the difference is you get, you become so in command, anything shows up and you you're with it and you honor it and you navigate it. And it doesn't mean like you have to be the best of friends with everyone. It just means you're in tune enough to know that everything is an aspect of you. Everyone is worthy of love, no matter what experiences they're currently in. And you can become a guiding light for what's possible in this world. And that happens from you living it, not just talking about it, you know? And yeah. so that's the, that's the shift that more people are becoming privy to in these spiritual spaces where they think there's somehow separation, like I'm more enlightened or more aware than you. It's if you're saying that you aren't as aware as you think you are, because you still <laughs> think there's a separation, you know, and that's, so bringing that kind of clarity in has been part of the journey too, that people realize they don't have to, that where they're actually still playing out misalignment thinking it's unity consciousness. I think the joke is anybody that goes around bragging all the time about how enlightened they are, usually probably isn't is, 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 as enlightened as they think. The direct opposite. Yeah, because actually that was what I was talking about in my, uh, my class the other day was literally that. It's like when you're really living in enlightenment, it's just what you do. So that's not the conversations you have. Yeah. You know, you know, you know, you know, no one that I know is really in a line in a space of what people consider enlightened, even talk about the concept because they're so they're yeah. so busy talking about what you can do from here, you know, and that's that's what makes all the difference um, that I've noticed. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a powerful truth right there too. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's like you you're not going to identify yourself really as. So let's talk about that. Like, like people identify themselves as these different, you know, I'm enlightened, I'm this, I'm that. Mm -hmm. um, like, but the truth of who we are transcends. This, this can kind of get us into the race stuff too, right? Because like the, the truth yep. of who we are transcends all identification. All of it. Yep. And yet we are showing up in the world in a certain way. So maybe we can honor these certain identities at a particular moment if it's if it feels like it's valuable, but it's we're not getting attached to that, but who we really are, right? Exactly. Because uh, we're more than all of it. So exactly, like, period. And I'm such a huge proponent on, when I hear the concept of my truth or your truth, it's like I always, I always share so that we kind of clear up the confusion that there's the truth, the thing that transcends all of that shit. 
And then there's our stories and how we honestly feel in the moment. But anything that changes isn't truth because the truth is a thing that's there regardless of story, regardless of anything. And so, and, and what's cool is that everyone inherently knows and has felt the truth. Sometimes it's bigger than the way we're used to identifying ourselves. So we don't like it. And that's the concept where the truth hurts comes from. Some people are in a certain space of awareness where they really want to reinforce their beliefs. So they think that's truth. And that's where that self-righteousness comes from. And then there's the thing that is the actual truth, which is who you are beyond all of this that never changes your connection to the all of existence and everything you do leading to the synergy of optimal thriving of all life. And then everything that you do on the journey that brings you closer to that realization on a regular basis. And so when we're, when we're living life, we use the ability to identify ourselves in certain ways as reference points, as markers, as, um, as standards. So one of the things in my practice is, is getting people so clear on what their standards are. What do you value? What roles are the most important you play in your life? knowing that you're more than those roles, but you're choosing to experience life through them. So being a man or a woman or, or, or uh, a child or um, what culture you're from, being black, white, green, yellow, whatever, being um, uh, a father or a mother or a brother or a sister, being a entrepreneur, being this, that you just, you go, here's my top five roles I play in my life on a regular basis, right? That mean the most to me. And what are my top three responsibilities in those areas? What are, my, what are my top three core values and principles in areas so that you know what you're consciously doing from those spaces? And that's where it becomes useful because now you're actually playing the game. But if you weren't that conscious aware, you're, you have all kinds of roles going on and you're like, why am I all over the place in my life? And then you stop and look and go, wait, I don't even want to play those roles. Why am I doing that? And so then with that awareness, you shift that and you can choose others. So that's the context where identification matters. Yet knowing that you're more shifts the narrative that somehow being in one role or another makes you more important than or more better than or, or less better than another person. And when we get caught up in that game, that's where literally every misalignment and perpetuation of conflict comes from. So racism, classism, sexism, like um, national borders and you know, like all of these things stem from where we haven't felt significant within our own embodiment. And when you don't feel that way inside, the natural in inclination is to find ways to validate yourself. And whether that's through business or through uh, sex or through cultural celebration or through and it's, and, and it's only a misalignment when you say it's because of this thing that I'm important or that I'm better or the whatever. When you realize the alignment of safety and significance is I'm safe and significant no matter what, no matter how much money I have, no matter what culture I'm in, I matter to this world and, I, and I'm supported by the thing, created everything and I have something to offer. And then we start seeing culture and identities and roles as a celebration of diversity within unity consciousness, not a reason to say why we're separate and, and reinforce the divide. And that, that's really what unity and oneness consciousness is. It's not everything being the same. It's everything in its diverse splendor of unlimited creative potential working together synergistically because that's the way it's designed, you know, and that's to me the difference. So it's knowing we're more than all of it. And if you know you're more than all of it, 
you can then honor and accept everything you're feeling and doing and become more specific and deliberate about what it is you choose to do. Powerful. Mm -hmm. So if, so let's, let's go in, so let's go into um, oppression. So if there's, if there's a group of people that have a history of oppression and this has kind of been a big topic I've heard a lot, obviously in the past few months. So, so they're in that, they're in that, they're in that space and they're, they're growing up into that, that culture or that, that ethnic group. Um, And they identify themselves there. Then how do, how do they, how do we collectively, how do we shift out of that? Uh, So the first of the most important thing above all else to start is to acknowledge it. We, it's like whenever you're doing shadow work or shifting any narrative in your life, you don't get to excuse yourself and ignore it and think that you can just achieve beyond it. And that's, that's where you have people who, who don't like where they're at and then they just strive to achieve, 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 and then they get there and they feel empty. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so when it comes to life, it's just like that. Like Mm -hmm. we know the history of this country. Yeah. Like it's, we know. And even though our textbooks wanted to doctor it up and we wanted to talk about Christopher Columbus discovered America and all these things, it's like, first of all, there was another explorer that got to America way before he did, which is also why it was called America because that was this person's last name. And, and so there's like all this stuff in history. And when cultures do that, and this, this even goes back before America, like just the idea of Rome, you know, and other cultures thinking what makes most sense for me is that we conquer other lands to expand ourselves into more because that means we're really, we are really significant. Right. And when we, and we start to do that, you have to find ways to reinforce the narrative. So then we go, well, what gives us the right? Right. Cause underneath all that is, you know, we're really all in this together. And, but if you don't know how to deal with that, cause you don't know how to deal with your own ideas and insignificance, you're like, no, if you're not Roman, you're beneath Rome. Right. And everyone's done it. If you're not Greek, you're beneath Greece. You know, it's like, even in themselves. Well, if you're from Athens and not Sparta, you're, you're, you know, you're less than us. It's like this narrative of, I have to find ways to make myself feel more important regardless. And we do that in every sense. Like it's just rationalization. So when, when we, we, we have to start shifting it when we're in a space, which especially with America is an extraordinary opportunity to do this because it, it was, there's so much culture here from so many places that if we actually saw the importance of what we were, we can build in this particular area of the world, it's a new frontier of what's possible when people from all kinds of places can grow. But if we're going to do it from an honest place, we'd have to acknowledge like, it's not like get over what happened in the past. It's acknowledge what was done here. And so that we look at history and say, what things can we do differently that are more sustainable? What things do we do that work? What things do we do that were, awful that we have to shift and can we also acknowledge that so we know how to honor what people are feeling inside you know like native americans women's you know black culture in america it's like there's there's so many things to acknowledge just so we can have a conversation together without people being uncomfortable wanting to avoid it and so just like when we're doing shadow work the first place you got to do is address the feeling like there's no way around it and then from there it becomes a conversation of listening to um, where everyone is. Because when, when, I, I like to explore it from this angle a lot. When you think of the nature of where we are as a country and, and the, the idea of what America is when people think of America as this, and so then the idea of other sides of it being 
well, this doesn't really fit in America. So it's like there's American, initially it'd be American and they adjust it as if like Caucasian or white people. And then there's like African-Americans, Asian-Americans. And when it's really just Americans right, of a diverse nature. And what does America look like when we actually honor everyone inside of its borders as a valid part of the narrative? But that the journey of us getting even to this position where we can have conversations about it when, when more people are willing to, to dive in, even though it still brings up a lot of shit for people. When you think of the, it's, it's not difficult to understand. If we're looking at finding significance within us and we're struggling to acknowledge that, then you think of um, a culture of people coming to another country, another land at the time, because it wasn't a country, it was just land, coming to another land at the time, and then wanting it for themselves, which means they had to do something about the population that was already here instead of being willing to explore with another population of what could be possible if we all come together. Their mentality was already, we have to get, take, and establish things for ourselves because they came over from, from another place where that was the mentality. Yeah. And they wanted to free themselves of it. And when you, when you leave a space that you're in because you didn't like it and you don't address the issues you felt, you're going to play them out somewhere else. And that's why people play out behavior patterns similar to their parents, right? If, if they don't address them, they think that avoiding them somehow spares them from playing it out, but it actually perpetuates because you don't address the feelings. So they do that. And now they're perpetuating narratives, but with a different idea of, well, we're different because, and then, and then once business and other things starts coming to the mold, they're like, well, we have to figure out a way to X, Y, and Z. And then right? The slave trade comes about and now you have other people, right? Being used. And, and, and in order for that to make sense, we have to define it a certain way. So what would we do then? Um, well, technically they're less than people because, you know, they're, you know, and then you have to start rationalizing that. Well, why would they be less? Well, it's because of the color of their skin and, you know, or because of this. And you'll, and you'll see how, if you trace history, you can literally watch the pattern of life unfold from safety and significance. People that feel safe and significant within have a far different approach to life than people who don't. And you literally can trace all patterns of behavior as from individuals, tribes, and nations based on that insight. And so now when slavery is, when slavery boots up here, you know, it's being used for a purpose and now it's valued in a certain context within a certain culture. And then when slavery is written to be over, um, now you have an entire population of humans on this land where if you're, telling, if you're telling a culture that the way that it lived no longer applies, but they base the idea of themselves on it, they're still going to figure out a way to stay in the space they're in because they're like, well, I'm not going to, if I already chose to define this person, this race, this color as less than me, my mindset isn't going to shift just because a, a document was written that said I have to acknowledge them as functional humans. And now we watch how that plays out in different ways. And over years, over years, you're watching where it's like, there's no way around it. At some point, we're all gonna recognize just how much we're all in this together. And when you see conflict in, in the world, you're witnessing the fight against the natural progression of life. And so in this day and age where there's clearly more opportunity for more people to thrive in, in, in countless ways, there's still the narrative of, you know, I live in an oppressed place, this thing is still against me, this thing is, you know, and it's either you'll live in that mentality and create that experience, or you'll say, I don't give a shit what's happened here. I'm going to become a guiding light if something more is possible. And every culture has that in them. So they start to create that. And now you have a world where there's still certain areas of racism and classism. And it's the same thing that applies with homosexuality and, and uh, 
and transgender and, and, you know, women even getting into a place where it's like, they're also functional people, not just, you know, like the fact that even if you were a white woman, there was a time where you weren't allowed to vote. You know, it's like, so, so we've had, this has played out in so many different ways. It's still, everything's going to come to, you know, it's okay. You don't have to define your glory, your greatness based on being better than other people. You just have to know that it's in you and you create a life from it. And so our journey of getting this to shift is being able to have the difficult conversations about what has been done and acknowledge the nature of this country and start to look at the opportunities before us. If we're willing to listen to each other as the, as, and have dialogue around what everyone brings to the container to see it change and evolve. And that's same things I do with couples and relationships when I do client sessions with them. Same thing I do in organizations and teams if they're having inner conflict. And same thing I do with individuals if they're having their own inner conflict. It's sit and face where the pain is and what the discomfort is. Know what adjustments are to be made and know what it is you're really after that does, isn't defined by things outside of you. And to me, that's, that's what it's going to take to shift nations, but it starts, you know, from the inside out and it's, it won't be something that clicks overnight. It could be, but it won't in, in this current state of patterns. Uh, but what, what it will do is if this approach, you know, continues to grab hold, which it already is in so many different ways, over time, it will become that. And to me, that's what it will always take is being able to face what's here, acknowledge our own choices, and what we've done, and start to explore what is it, what, what is it that we're actually after, you know, beyond this. And to me, you know, I've had conversations with a lot of different people and a lot of backgrounds. And I remember, you know, this, I always like telling the story because it was such a valuable moment for me. And every time I shared it, like I was sitting on this bus years ago and this guy was like super swastika up and head shaved. And he was like screaming all these obscenities at me and, and about the color of my skin and this, this and that. And and at this time, I'd already been doing some of this kind of work where I didn't automatically react to him. You know, it's like we were maybe a couple of years prior to that, we probably would have been fighting on the bus. But in this, in this moment, it was like, all I could see was a brother. And all I can see was underneath the way he's behaving are feelings he doesn't know how to address. And so I just started looking at him and I just started asking him questions that started off with him being self-reflective about his behavior and then it going to what's underneath it. So when I saw him, I was like, what, I said, what, uh, what's wrong first and foremost. And then, and then I said, what do you, how does that feel when you express it? Do you feel like you're really getting the most out of what you want in this situation? And so you can imagine that's not questions that he was probably expecting when he was like, you know, he's, he's probably used to getting the feedback of people being like, shut the fuck up. You don't know it, blah, blah, blah. And so instead I just started asking questions and, and it slowly started getting him to look at himself because I didn't make it about me or like what you're saying is offensive. I just, asked i got curious about him and by the end of the conversation right we're hugging he's crying like we're we're balling together as brothers and what i and what i uncovered was all these moments in his life that he didn't have answers for that just felt until he found a place where he felt like he belonged like he had a, um, a very intense tumultuous relationship with his father so he already didn't feel like he belonged or was accepted in certain instances which for men is, is a very important aspect um, of our upbringing with that guidance if it's there or not there um, then he had the girl that he considered the love of his life who left him and cheated on him and left him for a black athlete, right? So then he has a stigma about athletes and, and black people. Um, when he, he had a moment where he lost his job, it was like the perfect series of things. It was like, he lost his job and like the next day, I think it was he, or that night, 
he was going to get some out of his car and and these these latin kids were mexican and they were breaking into his car and he goes to stop them and then they beat the shit out of him right so it's like dump 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 so there's all this anger all this frustration all this eh, and then he comes across people in a group that hate people in the world like he hates the people in the world and all of a sudden he's accepted right now he has a space he's like yeah I, oh, family, you know, like belonging. And he rocks with them. And it just made sense to him because of what he was looking for. But now he's sitting in a bus with someone that doesn't fit the idea of how he thought he had to approach life. And it opens him up to something more. And it, all it took was me being willing to see him and to listen to him beyond his words and behavior. You know what I mean? And that's really what I end up doing now with people in different ways is is guiding people on how to see more than what's just being presented. And, it, and that's a small scale thing. But if that's possible, larger scale things are possible. And, and, and that's part of what I've devoted my life to and have been doing ever since. And these are the kind of things it takes for us to create more sustainable change in the world. But if we're not willing to sit and observe and receive the information first, um, we're always going to keep missing those, those vital pieces that can see it change collectively as a nation and as a planet. Well, I've, I heard you t tell that story actually earlier to, uh, this morning. It's a beautiful story and I can relate to it. I've, I've had, when I was younger, I had some experiences um, similar to that and conversations with people similar to that. And I saw some, not quite as dramatic of a transformation, but I saw shifts. I, I saw things open yep. that were similar to that. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, what I, what, what I see is you were, you were curious you know, genuinely curious. And he felt, oh, this person's really genuinely curious about how I th think about things, how I look at things. Yep. And it feels to me like in the collective, we're going through some kind of thing where we're losing that right now. It's like somebody says the wrong thing and they're, they're canceled, they're out. You know, everyone hates, you know, you, someone has a different interest than you, different opinion than you, we hate them, you know, these different things. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't, I find I'm, I'm just, I, I can't say it never happens, but I say for the most part, I'm generally just interested in like what, Oh, you like Trump? Well, that's interesting. You like Biden? That's interesting. Why, why do you have that? Why, why do you feel that way? What do you, you know, you're, you know, you're, either you're in the QAnon. Well, okay. What's it? That's interesting. Like what, what's, what's your deal? What, you know, and I just, mm -hmm. and it's like people, it's kind of like, we all want the same things. Um, we have a different strategy of sort of how to get there. And maybe that mm -hmm. strategy is not really working or maybe they think it's working, but it's, or maybe it is working for them at that particular, that particular time. Right. So that's one yeah. thing. The other thing I see is like, what you really bring light to there that we forget if we're not like really more in a kind of empathic present place is the people who are the great oppressors or the ones who are the great abusers are the ones who've been abused the most and oppressed the most, you know, in some way or another, they, they're, mm -hmm. they're perpetuating a cycle that they're caught in and, and haven't, exactly. figured out, haven't figured out how to break out of it. So exactly. the people who are violent have experienced violence. The people who are verbally abusive have experienced verbal abuse and so mm -hmm. so so to be aware of that and then i guess the question i had in anything you want to jump on, on that too but the question i had that i think is really important is for someone that has been a victim right we can all mm -hmm. claim victimhood in some way if we want if we want to find that story right. we all have that we all have something or multiple things um right. but if someone who let's say they've experienced um uh, racism or they've experienced sexism or they've experienced being raped or they've experienced being physically abused, you know? So how do they, 
how do they get out of that situation? How do they, how do they get out of yep. the victimhood into what you'd call the create the creatorhood? Yeah. And it, it's so important. I'm glad you asked this question. Uh, Cause I get that a lot too. When I, when I have my talks and uh, it's, it's two things. First and foremost, all experience is always a service and a service is always for the greater expansion of self, no matter what it is, which isn't the easiest thing to hear when it's a very intense experience where you feel violated, where you feel um, something was taken or, or destroyed or disrupted in you. Um, it still doesn't change the truth. So the first thing that people have to do also is just to be able to honor where you are. So if you felt like a victim, you got to acknowledge that you felt that way just so that you can honor the energy and also that you can take command of it. Um, but the point is life is meant to be lived fully. So no matter what we've experienced in truth, it's not an excuse to stay there. So even if someone has been molested, abused, raped, the whole point is if you're still here, there's some insight you have in a progressive way that is going to support you becoming a guiding light for this to change. And, and that's true for everybody. Not everyone steps in the space of awareness to recognize it, but it's true for everyone. So the question of what, do, what does or did this experience offer me in relation to uh, what I can contribute to the world? And if people can talk more about their experiences of that, and then what they do from there to create more awareness, to live a more healthy life, to do something more impactful. That's the gift it's offering because even the person that did the action at some point still has to be able to be held accountable for their choices because they're creating their reality too. It's not just, and, and I find that to be what happens a lot of time when people go, stop being a victim. You know, you create that experience for a reason. It's like, yes, and the other person that did too, but everyone's got to A, take responsibility for the reality creation and then B, um, use it in a more purposeful way. Um, but there's got to, but we, it's important for everyone to be more discerning about when to be assertive and tough and when to be gentle and soft and knowing how to apply the both. And when people are playing out the victim narrative, the first place they must go is just honor that this is an experience I had. This is the way I felt about it. And I can honor that yet. This isn't the end all be all to me. So my life doesn't stop here. And if it doesn't stop here, then there must be something more I have to offer. If there is something more I have to offer, what does this experience provide to uh, contribute or support to more of what I have to offer? Because in consciousness, we're going to bring to our awareness where the misalignments are one way or another. And if it takes wars to do that, it takes wars to do that. If it takes rape culture to do that, it takes rape culture to do that. If it takes um, racism and classism and sexism to do that, it will be that. The point is that when we see these things or experience these things, that we go, okay, here's the information of where we are and what we're doing. What must I do to support adjusting this, creating something different in a way that you don't shame this, right? Because it's not, that's not why it's there. It's not there to be shamed. So it's there to be received, to, to get the information we're looking for and then to use it, right, purposefully. So for anyone out there that's watching this, no matter what you've been through and experienced, if you're watching this, you're here, there's something about it, whether you, right now, you don't even have to believe me. You can tell me, go fuck off. And then 10 years down the road, it's going to reveal itself for you anyway. Can you, can you have the courage to sit in that uncomfortable feeling, acknowledge the feelings, and then, and then ask yourself, what can I do with this information that I can thrive in my own right as an individual 
and contribute more to the all of, of, of the world and the universe. And let that land and ask that question every day until, and, and sit with yourself every day until it, until it becomes clear to you. You're going to realize why you created the experience and what it means for you. And then you won't, you'll no longer um, feel like a victim. You'll step into creatorhood and you also won't judge yourself for having felt like a victim either. You know what I mean? And it doesn't excuse the other people because everyone's still got to own their shit. Uh, but it does mean that you'll live in a greater authentic capacity for yourself, which is all this is about anyway. You know? Yeah. Um, forgiveness, right? Mm. Forgiveness. Mm. But what, but what is forgive? Like, what does that mean to you? That word forgiveness and what is that? What's the value of it? So to me, forgiveness is restoring divine order and divine order is all things aligned and, and recognized as um, unified and the one. Mm -hmm. So whenever you say, I forgive this person for doing this thing, you're still playing out the victim narrative, you know, cause you're still saying they did something to me. True forgiveness is the realization that you were never less to begin with. You were never um, affected by this person, you create an experience that reveals to you where your current limitations are. And, the, and forgiveness is restoring the awareness of that to go, oh, I'm still more than this. All right. And I have more to do. And so that, that and, and I, I, you know, the idea of forgiveness of making peace with certain things is really just making peace with yourself, the way you felt, the way you saw these things and your judgment towards the other person. Because just like you described a moment ago, no one does things just because. You know what I mean? Like yeah, people yeah. play out patterns to avoid or to embody things. And so when someone is hurt and, or feels hurt, has is, is, is experienced abuse, different things, and they don't know how to address the energy, the natural inclination is going to be to pass that off somewhere else. And so it's not just like people come out in the world and go, cool, I'm still looking forward to abusing people, right? Like no one comes through like that. So the, the ability to forgive is the ability to acknowledge whatever journey you've been on that brought you here to show up for me, I'm now going to recognize and honor where I thought that I was in such a state of powerlessness that you somehow were like more than me, more powerful than me, more whatever mm -hmm. than me, rather than you were the thing reminding me there's something more for me to bring forward. And that to me is what actual forgiveness is. It's the realization that you're, you're thinking that somehow you are less than your divine existence or not connected to source or not more than this moment is restored into, oh wait, I've always been and this is another experience offering the realization of that. And then, then it becomes a thing where even if someone's got to be held accountable, right? Even if that's them going to prison, even if that's them um, having their own experiences, you know, instead of people being like, karma is going to get you, everyone what goes around, comes around, motherfucker, you know, all that shit. It becomes, you know, whatever you're going through and you made that choice, if you don't address that, it's going to, you're going to experience something even more tumultuous because that's what you're creating. And so, and because when you get into unity consciousness, all you want is the world to thrive. It's like, I want you to know there's something more you have to offer this world and whatever you have to address so that you don't keep doing that to other people, you address it. And if, it, if, if you figure it out in prison and you never get out of prison because of your actions, then that's where the space of consciousness will shift for you. I saw this really interesting video where these parents um, of, a, of a, a boy who, like he was in his 20s, I think, when he, when he was killed. 
but the parents of this, this young man have developed a relationship with the woman that killed him. She's in prison. She's on in death row. She's in prison for the rest of her life. But they chime in with her on a daily basis, check in on her. They had to work through their stuff to get to that place with her. But it's like a really interesting thing that now they're encouraging her to know that she can have more off her life as opposed to just being like, she's an awful person for taking our son away kind of thing. And it's like, there's something to that when you realize even in the most judgmental space of action, everyone still has the, is still a part of the all still has the light in them that can be brought forth. Um, and when you, when we acknowledge that everyone creates the reality, then you still have to acknowledge that something about that experience, even if it was someone's transition was something they were exploring within their own consciousness. And that's a far different capacity of awareness, um, but doesn't change the truth of it. And to me, that's what forgiveness offers is the realization that even when we think something's offered, someone's a victim to anything, there's still a purpose as to why that's what they're experiencing for something to contribute to the all. And that's what forgiveness represents in my opinion and, and what I teach in creatorhood. Do you feel it's a just universe? No. And I don't, think, <laughs> and, 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 yeah, and I don't think it's even about that either. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, it's not because anything in physical reality is automatically a contradiction of truth because we're more than form. So this universe has nothing to do with justice or fairness at all. And that's not even the purpose of the game. You know, I mean, like the game itself, I call it the game of limitation. The game itself is playing out the idea of contradiction to restore truth. So it's never about fairness or justice. It's always about awareness and choice. That's how I always describe it is with this awareness, what will you do? With this awareness, what will you do? Someone's getting treated unfairly. Okay, with this awareness, what do you do? But this isn't a universe where it's like, if someone transitions and a parent now sees the, the transition of their child, um, that person going to jail doesn't bring their child back, right? But that's not the point. The point is with this experience now in our awareness, what do we collectively do? If someone goes and shoots up a school, if a war starts, if someone creates amazing technology, if, if uh, somebody creates a movement of greater um, human unified experience, with this awareness, what do we do? That's all this game is about. And so it's, it's not a just universe or fair universe. And that's, and nor is that the point of it in the first place. Yeah. So it's like a, it's like an internal awareness is, is, is where to put the focus <clears throat> as opposed to the external movement of what's happening, which is exactly. transitory. Exactly. Yeah. And it's always the side effect. Physical experience is always a side effect. It's never the cause. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Right. Um, so I find this interesting thing with helping people. Let me see if I can articulate this. So I noticed that there's this thing where people want to help other people because they think they're less than they are. Right. I think this is a big thing that needs to be spoken to because I've seen it a lot lately. Yeah. So it's to me, when I look at it, it's actually no different than thinking someone's less I mean, it's a little different, but it's not much different than thinking someone's less than you are and wanting to hurt them. Because in actuality, from what, from what you're pointing out and the way I see it too, no one is less than you are, right? Even, even, if, even if they think they are, they're not. Right, right? exactly. So I, what, I, what, what I hear you saying is to get rid of this idea of someone's less than you are and we, I need to help them, which, is, which seems ultimately like it's just serving your ego, it's like, it's an ego mm -hmm. thing for you as opposed to let me 
Um, well, how would you articulate it? How would you articulate the difference between that and this other way of serving? So I would, I would say I, I, like, I like it in terms of the idea of contributing or supporting, right? Mm -hmm. So um, selflessness and selfishness are both misalignments. You know, like if, if you say I have to sacrifice everything for right. me, because sacrifice isn't even a thing that happens in love and, and it's a fear-based scarcity mentality. Then people, are, then people are mad at you later. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Legit. So in that space, it's like you're, the way I talk about, I'm so glad you brought this up. Because even when we, we get, have to help people, it's like you're really just supporting people's processes because they still have to be the ones to make the choice. And, and yeah. all healing is self-healing. Until you get to the point where you realize it's not about healing. It's just about remembering and living in a more embodiment. So when people go, I have to help these people because they're suffering, it's like it's your judgment that yeah. they're suffering. Yeah. If you want to support their journey, you can. That's also the difference between the idea of feeding someone and teaching them how to feed themselves. Right. And also, right? Do, they even, do they even want your help? I mean, that's, exactly. that's another thing that gets bypassed. Exactly. <laughs> right. Because some people are like, I'm cool. Like, we're, we're straight. Like, I, don't, I don't know what to yeah. tell you. You know, it's like. Because, because there can be this kind of like power over kind of thing that happens. Not, not the power you're talking about, but the kind of control thing. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm going to help you, you know. Yeah. And, and that was actually a huge colonizer mentality, right? It's exactly, like, that's exactly, that's exactly the yeah. missionary thing. You see it, and exactly. you see it kind of playing out in, in ways today too. Exactly. Exactly. And, and so this idea that we have a better idea and have to help people perpetuates misalignment. And, and so it's really about, there's only, there's only two ways that really make sense in terms of unity and sustainability. First is, you show people how to do things by, a, by being the guidance of embodiment. Yeah. But you doing that isn't you forcing on them. You're just showing them here's a possibility of what you can do. Of which if people are genuinely interested, they'll go, huh, tell me about that. And you'll go, oh, cool. If you want to share here, as opposed to being like, guys, let me tell you how this works. And you like, you know, like we force it, force it, force it. It's like, you don't have to do that. If it's really aligned and truthful, you don't have to do that. Uh, whenever it's fear-based and, and says like, if you don't do this, you'll, you already know it's out of alignment. So there's that aspect. And then there's the, the check-in like, Hey, I've been doing these things. I have all this abundance of resources and opportunities. I would like to be able to share this with different people and groups. The only aligned way to do that would be you go in and go, guys, are you interested in having this stuff? Right. You know, and then they get to go yes or no, because even if they say yes, but they don't like aren't being honest, they're not going to use it anyway. And, or if they say no and they really want it, but they don't know how to speak up, that's going to start becoming revealed. Either way, you don't have to force it on. You know, it's like everything will show you where it's at. And so when it comes to helping people, I always tell people it's just, it's just about offering support and, and guidance. And nothing is greater than, than, you living the example. That is the first sustainable step of guidance. If you're doing it, you don't have to talk about it. People will be genuinely interested if that's something that they're checking in. Then it's you ask if you can support people's stuff. And that's like, to me, the, the most profound way. But when people start getting into this mode of, well, you know, I, I do this with this person, this with this person, and instead of it being like, I'm living this life and I have so much I just want to share because I'm feeling embodied, right? And then you just put it out there. And if people want to receive it, awesome. If they don't, it's completely okay because you're living it anyway. And, and that's going to be the key because everyone at some point will have to make the decision for themselves no matter how long that takes. 
And that's really what, what to me support or help or contribution is all about. It's you're not, you're not helping people to like, you're not helping people on your own accord, no matter what you do, you're guiding people to be able to handle and take care of themselves. That's the only way it would ever be sustainable. And that to me is all that really matters. And you don't force that on people. There's just no way to do that because either way it goes, the natural inclination is that things will come back to recognizing their own sovereignty and at some point get into the awareness of their sovereignty to be a part of the whole. That's why every single form of oppression leads to revolution. You know what I mean? Like if, if suppression and colonizing was the answer, you wouldn't have re revolutions, you know, and rebelliousness. And so the, the natural inclination of, of support contribution is that natural mechanism of, I am a part of the y'all and I'd love to see the y'all thrive. The misalignment is when you think you can speak for other people of which you don't know their journey and force it on them. And then that perpetuates more alignment and so, or misalignment. So to me, when it comes to helping people, it's like, first be the example of guidance and then ask them if they, they want it. Because even if they say no and they do, um, that'll come to light in, in time. And now it'll happen in a more organic way. Because even, like, you ever been in a space where you know you want to do something, but if someone came and told you, go do this now, your natural nations would be like, don't tell me what to do, even though you also want to do it? It's like, it's like, so those kind of things reveal a lot about the nature of life and humanity and our psyches and stuff. So it's, to me, it's really understanding that make it an offering and of, of service and contribution, but start with being the example first so that it all flows in alignment, you know? And I think so, so often the example is enough, right? It's like in ways that you, like you, you or my, me or anybody, you know, who's on this path, we'll never even know all the people who shifted and opened the things through just us walking down the street or saying a couple words to somebody. You know, yeah. I've had those experiences where I've been on the other end where, you know, I could just feel somebody's presence when I, you know, especially when I was younger on the journey, they'd say a few words to me and it was just like, oh my God, it was something, I felt, I feel different inside, you know? And it, and it made me inquire deeper, like, what do they got going on, you know? Um, exactly. Yeah, so, exactly. So, 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 so there's that. And I think it's like, like, yeah, it's like you, whoever you are, like you have all the power inside. Like you've been saying, you have it all inside. Yep. You actually don't need my help, right? But I'm here to help you if, you know, I'm, I'm, but I'm here, I'm available to, yeah. to support I'm, you I'm recognizing resource. the power inside yourself. But I don't see you as less than, or exactly. I don't see you as needing help even. Yep. Right. Exactly. It's, it's like, it's literally, Hey, by the way, I'm a resource here yeah. for you if, if you want it. And yeah. it's like, if it's, you're okay where you are, like you don't need, no one really needs anything. When you realize the truth is that everything's at your disposal, all that you could, what, what supports you is a shift of awareness or a shift mm -hmm. of perspective. Mm -hmm. But knowing that it's not that anyone needs help. It's um, if people are in a position where they could use some support, it would be invaluable. And when people become more aware enough to know the difference, it changes everything. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's the other aspect of it. Cause I think it also goes in alignment with that idea that um, when people say, be grateful for what you've got because there's other people who are worse off. Yeah. It's like, that's yeah. not how gratitude works. <laughs> right. But it's like, right. at least I'm not that person. It's like, that's, right. that's nothing about that is truthful. And nothing about that is sustainable. It's like you, you feel gratitude because you're tapping in the presence of just how sacred life is and how, how appreciative you feel for where you are, what you have things in existence. 
And the, the, know, the, yeah. yeah, I just want to say the, the problem with that is, is because they, this gets to what I was trying to get at even deeper. So I'm glad you brought that up. The problem is then you actually need people to be worse off than you to feel grateful. In order to feel valid. So, exactly. Yes. So it's like this weird thing of like, that's where the helping yep. thing comes in. It's like, yep. I need people I to, to be, to be, to be less than me, to, to, to feel good about I'm helping them. Exactly. And I can, you know, yeah. So it's like, that's the thing we want to transcend and, and recognize that. No, that ain't, that's not the reality. Because exactly. it's, <laughs> it's the same. And that's the same mentality that is, is, is where racism class and all that stuff comes from. It's like, that, that literally is a concept. And so that's the way we'll disillusion ourselves thinking that that makes sense as a justifiable measure, right? In that yeah. way. And it's not. Yeah. It's not. And these, these are people that I think they mean well, they mean really well, but they, they don't recognize that duality, that separation that's there. So it's like transcending. That. Exactly. Yeah. You're just exactly. looking at yourself in the mirror. It's just you, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Awesome. You want to um, touch on, uh, we have all this with the, the lockdowns and COVID and um yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's, it's such a beautiful time period because it, it's revealed so much right um both on the surface in our awareness and the underlying space uh you know when it first happened with different quarantines you started noticing that places that were heavily polluted started clearing up animals start showing up in places they weren't before water started clearing up in certain areas and so there is an indication of being more considerate about what we're doing. That was one thing brought to the awareness. Then you have people being in their spaces where they don't have their usual outlets of escape. And now everyone's got to start dealing with their feelings and their shit and, and facing things. And then you have where that perpetuates and plays out. And then you also have everyone's perspective being brought to awareness about what it means to be healthy. Um, what, what this all represents and people's creativity about, well, it's the, the government doing this and the system doing this or this group doing this. And you start seeing everyone's ways they'll still play out passing shit outside of themselves. Because when, and when people would ask me about it, you know, I would tell them it doesn't matter, like regardless of the conspiracy theories, it doesn't matter whether shit's man-made or, or organic, doesn't matter whether um, it's this group or that group, the response is going to be the same. And that is with this information, where do I continue to step into a greater standard of myself, a greater healthy embodiment of myself in a way that has me supporting the unity of all life greater? To me, that's, that's what this collective narrative is about, was all of a sudden the world was focused in one direction. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, shit. Now we realize just how together we actually are in this. And then when that hit, it only went as far as people could accept themselves. Because then it became, well, yes, but... What's happening is based on this group or this group. And then all of a sudden, the little divisive escape started coming in. And so to me, it was just a huge moment of, of self-awareness that in that space also brought more light to other conversations, which is where like the George Floyd thing happening. It was like, you know, and every, and Breonna Taylor and all these, these narratives that came up and, and then different cultures about what's taking place and, and capitalism and all these different aspects, you were witnessing the opportunities presented to us as a species is to be way more engaged and involved in life instead of excusing ourselves from it. To take an honest look at the patterns we play out in our everyday lives and what we can do with it and where to adjust. Making human connection far more of a valuable standard in our lives than, than not. Um, being able to face our fears and, and, and uh, misalignments rather than run from them. Now, whether people decided to actually put that to use or not um, isn't the question. The question is, or, or is the exploration, the exploration is, are you recognizing the offering that's there, no matter how long it takes for you to put it to practice? 
And to me, that's what the whole COVID thing was about. It's like the awareness that there's something more to life than we often thought there was. And we have the opportunity to do something different. And change and evolution and transcendence isn't about everything being sunshine and rainbows. It's about being able to face what we've been doing, what we feel, and make different choices. And I, and I feel like everyone who's been in that space, when this, when this narrative kicked in, thrived during this time period. Like everyone I know that had that, like they genuinely, like my life exploded in different ways with this. And then we would support others who were asking for it in other ways in this. And when you're used to life being a certain way, disruptions like these feels like, right, a threat or it's awful. And then that's when you have people saying, oh, this was a terrible year. Can we just hit the reset button? And there's other people like, this year is bringing so much to our awareness. It's time to thrive forward. And I think it just, it really brought people aware, uh, to an awareness of where am I actually in this game right now? And to me, that's literally what it offered. It was like a massive collective gut check of where are we in ourselves and what do I do with that? And I think it was such a, this is such a valuable year and, and the humor of existence and synchronicity of, of this year being a greater collective awareness representing 2020 clear vision, all of the little cute things we can do with it. But I feel like it was such an invaluable insight to everything. And then depending on where you are in your space of awareness, you were able to recognize that. Um, or you just saw it as another thing to complain and judge life on, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. How do you, how do you like deal with the, there's this kind of climate of fear, you know, it's a compound thing. And we think this kind of ties mm -hmm. into the, the election stuff too. There's a lot of fear around that. People are freaking out. There's yeah. the, there's the, 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 the virus, the coronavirus, and, you know, obviously getting infected and what could happen. And um, yeah. And I heard you talk a little bit about, um, you may have used different terminology, but basically like holistic health and holistic consciousness and how we think and how we feel affects our health, our physical health, you know, mm -hmm. and vice versa. So we have this whole integrated system. So I guess my, my, my concern collectively, and I know these, these are all just things we're moving through um, as part of the journey, but for sure. when you get into this kind of fear, perpetual anxiety, worry, look, this might have that happen you're actually making yourself sick, you know, and then you're cutting yourself off from, from human contact and connection and people that could, you know, be loving sources of support. And so it's, it's just, it's been kind of sad for me to like see a lot of that happening um, in mm -hmm. the culture. And I'd love, maybe you can put some positive spin on that for me or whatever, whatever's, <laughs> whatever's genuine that wants to come through. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I think it's a beautiful expression that you offered. And, and I actually had a conversation with my son's mother about that, where she was describing how a couple of friends were, who are super healthy, eat healthy, um, work out every day, um, were, were doing all those kind of things. And yet some of them still experience sickness. And I said, well, because, you know, I was telling her that you can do all the physical things you want, but if you don't check in with your own emotional context and the way that you handle experience in life and, and, and whether it becomes an opportunity or you see it as a problem and make it a stressful thing, you experience life accordingly. And that's really all where all illness comes from. It's like as much as we want to talk about it on a, on, on a physical level of viruses and this, we still perpetuate in ourselves in our, in the regards of how we channel and process energy of emotion, right. Of thought and attention. And, and to me, that's, that was one invaluable piece of it is the awareness of that, the second is it really brings to light the importance of personal responsibility. 
And to me, that's what it all comes down to. Even with the election, it's like, I hear people say, I don't, I'm not going to vote because I don't like either one of these guys. And I go, well, you're missing the point. The reason why we're in this position with these two options as, a, as an election is because of our neglect of being involved in the game of channeling our energy in different ways. And because it's not just vote and then don't do anything. It's vote so that you're channeling your attention and creative energy into a pot and what you want it to be and then live and get engaged in being a part of the change, the evolution every day of your life. So when I, when I have conversations with people that are wrapped up in the fear of it all, my, my, the first conversation I have with them to explore is, so with this awareness, what are you doing for yourself day in and day out? Where does, it, like, where does your personal responsibility start? Do you just say, do you just stay with those feelings, you know, this is how it is, and then you just live life in your instance? Or do you go, well, here's what I'll start doing today to ensure that I'm healthier and thriving and more capable of handling wherever life may go with this. And then we get into how they be even more in command with creatorhood and, and you know, and deliberateness. It's just the, the easiest part of personal responsibility. Uh, it's, it's an adult thing because that lands for, for a lot of people and, and bringing them into that state of awareness. And for me, that's, that's really what it's all about. The fact that it's coming through this time in an election year, racism's on the table, different cultural divides are on the table, all this information, it's like, it, it comes down to, with this insight, what, what are you doing every day to live a greater standard for you, your own mental, physical, emotional health, your own contribution to your block, your job, your family, your neighborhood? And then we just keep building it from the inside out. Um, but the, the, the pattern of behavior of, well, it's all a mess, so I'm just not going to bother, is why we perpetuate misalignments. It's that mentality that has you living a life far from what you're capable of and what you really want to live. And to me, it's always going to come back to that. The opportunities of, of sacred you know, living is the personal responsibility of owning where you are and making choices that support it growing into something more, no matter how long that takes. And it's such a dope space to be in because it brings us back to the truth of that, that we still are the power, right? No one controls us. No one can control consciousness. So that means you have choices. And if you have choices, and my job is to bring to your awareness and offer you the ability to make those choices in a more deliberate, clear way, will you actually use that? Will you actually put that to work? And the cool thing is, no matter how long it takes, you're going to one way or another. And your life is going to keep offering that opportunity for you. And at some point, everyone will get there no matter the incarnation, no matter the time period, no matter the state of things. If zombies are running, running around the planet tomorrow, this would still apply. If extraterrestrials landed tomorrow, these things would still apply. All that could happen, by the way, the next week. And, dude, <laughs> legit, right? it's like, and, when it, and if it does, this also applies. Still applies. It still applies. Oh, okay, so here's where we're at in the game. All right, what do we yeah. do with this information? You know, so, yeah. One of the things I heard you share and that I, I personally appreciated was you're saying how like people are in a lot of, not everyone's in the same place right now. So um, regardless of where I am or where you are, or where someone else is, there are people who are in a lot of fear right now. Uh, and there's also people that, um, <clears throat> there are also people that are very, they're into the mask or they're into social distancing or they're into whatever. And like, um, instead of having a lot of division around that and having that be another battleground, like, right. you know, how do we, how do we um, transcend that division? So 
interesting for me because like I'm not personally I don't I don't like wearing a mask I don't I don't like any of these <laughs> things that are in place but I had a situation um yesterday where there's an elderly lady who's a friend of mine um been a friend of mine for a while and she asked if we would help her move and she's she is very into the mask and she wanted everyone to wear a mask at all times you know mm-hmm. so um I just well, you would say like I made a deliberate choice of like, okay, that's what she wants. That's her home. I'll do that for her, you know, and I'll, and I'll go. Exactly. And I'll her. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're, you're, you're honoring the decisions you're making. It's like, if you don't like the idea of mask and, and the County that you're in is asked to do it when you go into stores, go live in the forest, right? Like you're a part of the game. Which is an if option. If, I, and I do know people that option. are in the forest. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I like to visit in the forest. Yeah, yeah. So it, right? It's like, yeah. just be, be clear about what game you're in and whether you want to be there. Yeah. And it, cause it, cause it doesn't make or break anything. Like, like I don't, I, I, I don't wear a mask out and about outside in the streets. If the stores are asking for it. I remember when I first went in, when, when, when the County first was like asking mandatory, I would just walk in. And to me, it was just reality creation. I was like, let's see how long I can be in here before someone says anything. Yeah. And there's times I'll go all the way through the process and no yeah. one would say anything. And then there's other yeah. times to explore. And then I would say, well, what matters more to me right now? Being connection, getting my stuff and going to handle my business. Cool. What, what creates the most effective ease for that? Wearing a mask, going in the store. Okay. It's not the end of the world. Put a mask on, get the stuff. I take it out and I go. If you're going to con- like contribute to someone who's asking for your support, Right? And you're making the conscious decision to go support them. And they ask you to wear a mask because of the area they're in. You're like, cool, no worries. Because you yeah. don't have to go help them. You can just do yeah. your own thing. But if you're or, doing or, it. Or I could say I'm definitely choosing not to go. So, so it's like, I think it's, the choice is ultimately always yours, right? Exactly. That's yeah. it. It's like, it, it doesn't have to be this big fight of yeah. people wanting to suppress me with a mask. It's like, it's not really that unless you're making it that, which you could. But there's also ways it's less stressful. And, when you're, and, and what I find is the difference is when you're aware of your sovereignty, you you get caught up less in the conflict, right? Because you're just like, well, right. let me let me make my conscious decisions. This is what I'm what I'm choosing to do, and it's okay. And if I don't want to do that, if I feel inspired to make that my claim of start t- taking a stand, I could do that if that's what I want to use my energy. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there's other more productive, effective, sustainable things you could be using with your creative energy just as much. And to me, it doesn't it doesn't have to be an issue either way. Um, it just, but if you're, you're aware of your sovereignty and conscious in your decisions, you'll handle it all more effortlessly. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what it, what it always comes down to. And, um, and when you, but when you get caught up in the narrative, which is what happens a lot, you'll, you can take that shit and run with it. Like you, you can stack a distorted story to all kinds of depths, right? It's like, and we, and we do that because creative energy is that playful. But it's not, it's not that big of an issue either way. It's just, are you clear in your sovereignty and what, in what space do you choose to use it until you step into more awareness to realize you can also make other choices? Because when you start understanding how science works, too, you realize that certain fear-based thoughts of, don't do this because this is another potential. And then you go, oh, that's actually not even true. We don't have to keep doing that. I can make a different choice now. Um, but, that's, but that's a part of the game. So when you're honoring people where they are, it doesn't mean you have to, you have to shrink yourself to fit the narrative you can still stay in the space you're in. You're just acknowledging that that's okay, that that's where they're at. And if they're them being in that space and you being in this space aren't conducive, then you just make a different choice that it doesn't rock and, and know that there's consequences to choices, you know, and, and so that you're, you're saying, well, if I'm going to make this decision, I feel in alignment with it. And right now, based on where they're at, 
this is the, res the response, the reaction, or, or the circumstance, I can acknowledge that, but I'm clear on my choices, you know, and that's to me the biggest difference because it's okay that everyone's in different spaces and where they're at. Like, yeah. You don't have to judge them for it. And as long as you're clear on what you're doing, then you won't judge them for it. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> yeah. We're, we're kind of in this, I feel we're in this space where, I mean, I guess we've been in for <laughs> a long time, thousands of years, but, but, but it's coming up right now where it's like, we yeah. love to have the other, you know, yeah. And it's like the other is the enemy. The other is the, they're the bad people. And we're, we're always the good people. Um, right. I guess sometimes people can also make themselves bad if they have a, a low self-worth or low self-esteem or something. But, but generally there's like this, this other, and this the, you know, and we're, we're righteous and they're wrong. And um, exactly. being able to just, I think, honor the differences. Um, one thing. And also that I really like that, that just being interested and curious, like, Cause like having more dialogue of like, you know what, why you don't like wearing a mask? Do you like wearing a mask? Oh, that's interesting. Why, why, what's, what is that for you? You know, but I think a lot of our conversation right now is through social media. People, yep. people are just triggered. It's like, it's almost like they're already triggered and they see something you posted or I, whoever, and then it's like, you know, oh, you know, but it's not really even about what it's about really. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because you know, I don't even call it a trigger. And, and in fact, I always say that things are revelations. Because when we think it's a trigger, it's like we think that the outside is making us feel certain things. Because yeah. we're, we're not as present to realize we're choosing to feel that way based on where we're at within ourselves. Yeah. So it's like they'll see something and it will and they'll, it'll reveal where there's things they haven't addressed. And then they'll go, if they don't know how to grab that, then they'll make it about the outside thing. But then that's also part of the game it's like what you just described when we're living in duality consciousness we have to make up things to feel more of something mm. right good people versus bad people i'm a good person because i do x y and z yeah. it's like that's not even that's not even a real thing but good bad person there's just people yeah. making choices and you're either living in a line space or you're living in misalignment but you're all making your way to greater self-awareness you know you know what's interesting about that kevin it's like the same thing as before it's like if I'm identifying myself as a good person, then by definition, there has to be bad people that, exactly. that, that I'm not like them. Exactly. Yeah. It's really interesting how that works. I'm telling you. And when you get past all the identities, um, one of the things I talk a lot about in the practice is transparency and, the, and how that's a natural thing, like vulnerability, intimacy, transparency. These are all natural things. But when people um, aren't used to that, they think the act of doing that is radical. So when you hear things like radical vulnerability, radical transparency, it's like, that's actually just vulnerability and just transparency. There's nothing radical about it. But we've been playing out these misalignments for so long. So when we're looking for ways to, to say, um, this is why I'm a good person, right? We're, we're un overlooking all the ways we feel insecure, different stuff to address. And that's really all it's about. It's knowing how to acknowledge all of you and then explore life in that curiosity, that wonderment of, man, what else can we do? What is this offering me? Why do you feel that way and behave that way? And because you're more self-aware, you won't go, what does that mean about me if I do it so easy? And, and that's what we do. We keep making, there has to be a, some them to pass off our shit until we get present enough to own it. And the transparency idea is that, that the willingness to see and be seen is like, I'm on this journey, you're on this journey. We're all revealing more of ourselves and we all have something to contribute to the all. And when everyone gets more into that space, everyone ends up realizing, holy shit, no matter what your religious or spiritual belief is, no matter what cultural language you speak, there are spaces in life where we all relate to each other.
And, and the more that we get to that capacity of self, the more we all keep coming back to unity consciousness where it's like, oh, your emotions and feelings are the same. Yet I may play it out in this way. I may speak of it like this. Yet if we sit down and had an honest conversation, we'd, all, we'd both be able to talk about ways that we felt afraid, ways that we felt angry, ways we felt like we were on, ways we felt like yeah. we weren't enough. And that's the shit that has us going, wow. You know, when I move all the bullshit out of the way, we all can have conversations about everything. And that curiosity that we're asking for is the key to that because it brings you into a, um, that state of presence where you become more open to receiving the information that's on the table to know where to explore more of yourself. And that's why when you, when you brought the curiosity, it was like, exactly. Because that makes all the difference. You know? when, when you talk about vulnerability and transparency, do you, do you find it's like, because I find people, a lot of people, they, they hear that and they're like, okay, now I'm going to be like, yeah, you're, you're being a jerk and you made me angry. And so it's like, is like, what's the deeper yeah, level? That's exactly. <laughs> exactly. Somebody said that. It's like, it's like when people think that they're being authentic, they're, they're not. Cause they'll often think that, well, I'm just being honest. I'm telling you, you yeah. make me feel this way. I'm just telling you and the I truth. Go, right. Just telling you the truth. So I go, that's not actually the truth. Like any, anyone who's in an argument isn't actually telling the truth. No one yeah. tells the truth in an argument, right? You're just, you're literally playing out the game because you want to feel more powerful, want to win, want to prove a point. When you uncover all of that, it becomes, here's what I feel. Here's what I'd like to experience. Here's what I'm realizing, or here's what I'm seeing in this situation. That's the only authentic expression that can be had is when you speak to how you feel, what you see, what you want. None of that has to do with the other person. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And so when we say things like you're making me, that may be your honest experience in this moment because of the awareness you're in, mm -hmm. but that's not the most authentic version of you. Because when, you, when, you, when you're already looking to pass stuff off, you're not being like in touch with yourself. You're not sitting listening to what's really going on. And so when I talk about vulnerability, the way I define vulnerability is your open, honest expression of self. For you to be that clear in your heart space means you'd have to be present enough to listen to what you're actually feeling, not thinking someone outside of you has to do something to improve how you feel. You have to be able to understand why you are feeling what you're feeling and what you're feeling and what you'd like to experience instead. And that's not something someone else can tell you. That's not something outside of you. And so that to me, when you get past the surface level of what people think vulnerability and authenticity and honesty is, you start dealing with the truth of things. That's where I'm always encouraging people to go is when you're in full authentic mode of ownership of self and then how you'd like to see the all function together. And, and so to me, that's what authentic communication is about. It's here's how I feel right now. Here's where I'm realizing I, what I've been doing. Here's what I'm perceiving with you. And here's where I'd love for this to go. How do you feel about all that information? And then people go, well, I've, I've been feeling this, this isn't that, and here's how I feel. What do we do with this information? Now we're having an actual authentic conversation where it's, it's synergistically inclined. Anything that has the us against them, this is how it has to be for me to feel this, is never the most authentic conversation ever. And that's, that's the difference. And, that's, and I'm so glad you asked that so that we have discernment and precision on understanding it because vulnerability is a source of our greatest strength based on the more self-acceptance we are, the more vulnerable we're willing to be. The more vulnerable we're willing to be, the more we own ourselves, the more in command we are, and the more authentic we are in our expression. The more authentic we are, the more clarity that's on the table to make more sound choices. And that's, to me, it's not the idea of being exposed for people to take advantage. If you feel that way, that just tells me you aren't 
as um, aware of self, accepting yourself to be more in command of yourself, you think vulnerability then is a weakness because your idea of vulnerability is that people knew these things that you know that you don't like, they'll use it against you. But that's not what vulnerability is. Vulnerability is I accept myself enough to be more open-hearted in my life. And if you're really living the truth of that, you're never at the whim or at the mercy of other people because you're so in command, you know how to honestly express yourself. You won't quiet down when it's time to speak. You won't speak when it's time to listen, right? You won't um, pass off your shit on other people. You won't think that you know better than someone else's journey because you're actually open in connection, open in the heart and more curious. And so truly living in vulnerability, truly living transparently, which is vulnerability and intimacy combined. You're, you're living in a more authentic space um, that is far more in depth and expansive in, when you recognize it in unity consciousness than people think it is in duality consciousness, which again is still them living from scarcity, separation and opposition. So then the, all of that shit seems like a threat and a scary place to be. So thank you for asking us so we brought that precision to them. <laughs> Love it, yeah. I don't think I ever asked you, um, well, I know I didn't, I didn't ever ask you, where, where did you, this wisdom come from for you? Like, was there certain teachings that were valuable to you or certain life experiences that, that opened you on this path? It was, it was comprehensive. There were, there were experiences I started accessing early on that I had no reference point for. Yeah. And, and it just, and it was insight that I knew it wasn't my individual idea of things because it was bigger than the idea of what I thought things were. And then I was like, I have no idea what to do with this. This doesn't even make sense to me. And I just went on living my life, you know, it's like, whatever. And then, because no one was talking about it. And then all of a sudden I started seeing things like differently, but I couldn't, I, I didn't have the space to reconcile who I thought I was and what I wanted to be in relation to what I was accessing. And then I came across different things in life that revealed more of what I was tapping into. So there were books I came across, you know, uh, Seth Speaks and the Nature of Personal Reality, A Course in Miracles, these things were, were, to me, references of, oh, this is what I'm tapping into. But I, I felt like there were certain things within each context that were underlying that wasn't spoken. Like, A Course in Miracles is, is, is such a rich piece of information about certain aspects of truth and, and life. And never once in the book did it ever say why we were playing this game in the first place. And no one ever talked about that. And I, and I always find that odd because everyone kept living with this idea that we have to escape where we're from, but that doesn't make sense if you start looking from truth to think that we would be thrust in or choose to be in something that we'd have to escape from. There's a reason why we're doing this. And, and for me, the insight I was tapping into was revealing the comprehensiveness of that. And so then I, I would keep coming across other people in my life um, that would, would offer another piece of information, not them realizing it, uh, just because of them being who they were or stuff they would do that I was always looking at, at everything from a receptive place. And so for me, it wasn't one form of teaching. It wasn't one person. Um, it was information I was accessing that I just call source wisdom that at, in time I grew in the awareness of realizing what it was, what it was offering and what to do with it. And then along the way I received resources and of support for reference points of insight from books um, guidance from other people who teach like uh, when I first learned shadow work from um, this woman named Julia George who I love dearly I haven't talked to her in a while now that I think about it and uh, and but then there was pieces of information I received from her and I would see some of her misalignments and it was like and I and I would reveal more to it 
And so that, and that's what was happening in every respect. And so for me, it really was this personalized journey of discovering access, receiving the support, but even that not being the end all be all, just being a piece to the greater puzzle, which is also, I feel like, why the practice is so comprehensive is it, it came from a clear place that wasn't me forcing it. Cause I, I didn't know what the fuck this was at first. And then, but it was the willingness of me to, to listen to it and put it to use and then receiving insight from other people on the way that helped me mold or supported me molding more of this insight in a way that was more practical and structured and conducive. And that's to me, that's kind of, I guess the way I would kind of encapsulate the journey in certain respects. Mm-hmm. I got uh, one more question for you. You, you brought up Seth Speaks and, uh, and Course in Miracles. Mm-hmm. And um, there's other books that have inspired a lot of people like Abraham Hicks. And, and mm-hmm. so basically there's these, these channel materials, you know, that have really been, and um, there's Law of One. I know also that a lot of people, my friends are inspired by yeah. Um, so what, what's your take on child channel materials? Like, what do you, what do you think? What, what's going on there? What's happening? What is that? Uh, I feel like, well, I think channeling is really when you're tapping into a certain space within consciousness where different incarnations and expressions of wisdom live, but you can channel wisdom from an aligned place as much as you can channel from a misaligned place. Like you can channel beings in other lives that are like living in pure turmoil you know or you can channel. <laughs> That's you know, it's like, point. It's, it's, yeah, it's not just the end. I'll be all I am channeling the greatness of life. Channeling is channeling. You can tap into any aspect of existence. And so it's really dope, though, because it, it shows you just how connected the all of life is and, and that you can access it on call if you're willing to develop the muscles to do it. Um, and the one thing for me is always discernment, is when you receive the information, check in with how you feel in receiving it to know where you are, to know if it aligns, and also be very wary of contradictions. If anything makes exceptions or adjusts itself, if anything is contradictory, there's misalignments and interpretations from um, limiting spaces that you have to be aware of. Because otherwise you'd be, if you take it all at face value, that's literally how religions were built, right? There's like, here's some truthful information. Yeah, but I have this idea of how it ought to be. And it's like, but that's a contradiction. It's like, fine, we'll make it work. And, you know, and we end up playing that stuff out. And for me and in, in my practice, it, it's similar. Like to me, all this insight that I share and, and what, what I've developed created was just, it was channeled information of insights coming through that I put to use. And then I was able to have a gauge through referencing these other materials that were also channeling stuff. Because a lot of the things that I talk about, I would just write down and then, and it was language I used without me ever hearing it from something else. Yeah. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden it's like, and I was like, oh shit, this is what I've been doing. And I've had friends who would go like explore other spiritual practices and then they come back and be like, yo, this sounds just like this thing. And that's when you know you're tapping into something where everything's connected, but it wasn't me getting it from those sources. It was like all those sources were confirming things you're tapping into. And then that just opens me more up to keep exploring uh, more of this insight. And that's literally how the practice built. So it was a really organic uh, developed process in that same realm of like channeling insight because everyone's connected to it. And it's just, are you willing to open yourself up to keep accessing it and then do something with it? And to me, that's what all the channel materials are, are in. And the ones that I found always land the most are the ones that have the least amount of contradictions uh, and, and really hold firm into universal knowledge. Meaning like no matter what the narrative is, no matter what's going on in the world, it still applies. And that's truth. You know, to me is like the thing that's most mm-hmm. universal that will always be. And that was one of 
my skill sets early on was just that. Even if I wasn't fully living it yet, I could just discern things that resonated as more truth and things that were more narrative. And then I still had to, had to acknowledge that within myself of where I would be living in an idea of truth and then I'd be playing out my own contradictions and then I had to come face to face with that too along the way. Um, and that kind of supported me molding the practice of creatorhood and receiving the wisdom from different forms of guidance and friendships and mentors that became that even if that wasn't the conscious thing you know like my and one person that still stands in my mind forever for that was my defensive coordinator when i played football at university of new mexico his name is bronco mendenhall and he was oh, yeah. the kind of, he, He's a, he right? became a head coach right yeah at byu yeah. yeah yeah so he like when i met him i'm watching this dude and he was the kind of person that he cared himself of you're going to get the most out of yourself in life and we're going to do this thing right and he was a mormon but he was probably at the time, one of the most spiritual human beings I'd ever met. Like he just understood that there was something more. And he'd even have you look at football differently. Like we'd be watching game film and he'd be talking about like tendencies of con like someone's mindset and consciousness. And it was just like, you just saw everything differently. And whenever you were around him, when he would look at you, there'd be this natural inclination in you to want to live a greater standard in life. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And I was like, and how do I live in more? Like you were talking about before, when you just have a yeah. so it's like, you feel something like in somebody. Was, right. And, and he's, not, like he's not preaching thing. to you. He's not trying to convert you anything. You're interested in him. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that was like something that stood out to me and, and, and stayed with me. And it's like those kind of things are what would show up in my life that I would receive and explore rather than just saying someone, I want you to be like my mentor. That's for me, that's how my journey was. It wasn't mm -hmm. like just following one practice or anything. It was like, I literally developed this practice while I was living it based on accessing the insight and then using the world around me as reference points and other channels as reference points because they would end up showing up in a synchronistic way where I would see language match and go, oh shit, oh shit, we're doing this. You know, and it's like, and it kept building from there because it just got more information came so, it came in such large amounts. There was like, there's no way I can just, sit on this for myself and that's what led me to even starting to share and teach and mm -hmm. guide and all of that stuff but when yeah. you channel are you channeling other entities or are you channeling like kind of channeling yourself right because i feel like people just some people just channel themselves you know and then yeah. and then how do you how do how does one access like how do you get in that space of being able to channel um i find there's a couple of different kind of connective points and 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 one of the primary tools and and the practice of creatorhood is heart consciousness, which is where you step into that awareness while being fully connected to your experiences and the events. And in channeling, you can get there through the breath. You can get there into in, in a shift of attention. Uh, and, and usually it's, it's the collective of all of that, that, that makes it what it is. Um, and I agree with you. There's some people just channeling greater wisdom from a more expanded awareness version of themselves. And really that's even when you're channeling from other beings, in order for that channel to be there to connect, there has to be some sort of connectivity within the all of that consciousness beyond just the individual. And, and for me, this wisdom, like I was never big on, um, say like ascended masters or key figures. For me, it was always about this source of wisdom. And so where I could tap into different figures and ascended masters and have conversations, it was never the big thing for me. So even when I would have meditations about seeing my spirit guides, they always came in amalgamation of energy because it was never, because they didn't give a shit about labels, right? And they said, neither did I. So we didn't have, that wasn't the conversation we would have. It was just, here's wisdom, do something with. 
And when I, and so for me, when I would channel this stuff, it was like tapping into visions and insights, seeing um, images of how all of creation function. I would start writing and she would just start pouring out. And, and then I think there's only like three times in my life where I actually channeled vocally in certain spaces. Um, but it was really just things w- would like make sense and show up in visions and feelings. And then I would start experimenting with and exploring it. And that was kind of the experience for me was the channeling of source consciousness, a greater space of consciousness within my, my, my own, myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and knowing that it, it's a part of the all of things. And to me, that's what it felt like I was channeling and what I kind of speak to um, while also being aware of channeling with other beings, because I've also had that experience, like channeling these one beings that didn't even have a label. They just felt so like, because they felt so far beyond physical ideas of things, but there was a connective space of prime creation to them that I felt too. And it even came in the, the channeling of like that space of which we connected. And so to me, that's more of the space that is usually my focus when it comes to channeling or when I, when I explore it from other people, that it's still that connected space of source within consciousness. And you can identify that as other beings and it be that connected space or just the space we're all connected to, which is like some people call the Akashic records or some people, you know, it's like really just the infinite wisdom of all of creation lives inside of us and we all have access to it. And either you take the time to get centered enough and tap into it, um, or you create experiences that reveal it to you in some form or another. So you access a place of like deep stillness inside. Mm-hmm. And then there is, is there a sense of like, I'm going to do this thing now, or is it just sort of an organic, it just sort of happens. It's an organic thing. Okay. Yeah. Like you, I just sit and access it and it just, and, and the information just comes in mm-hmm. and it's like, and if I, depending on what degree I want to go in the access will depend on if it becomes a conversation channel or if it's just information revealing itself constantly. Cause there's other times too, when I'm speaking and teaching and someone asks a question and in their question, a space opens up of the clarity and that shit just comes through. And it's like, yeah. no matter what the question is, there's yeah. an answer. And that opened up a lot of yeah. space of wisdom for me too. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that in you. There's, there's a few people I feel it in. You're one of the people I feel it like, you know, you call it different things, but it's like, yeah, he's like in the zone or he's, he's bringing yeah. something through right now. Yeah, you know, and it's exactly. just like, it's just like a, just, it is literally like a, like a channel for something to come through. Like yeah, the body and the vehicle is a channel. Yeah. It's beautiful. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, how can uh, people connect with you? What do you got going on? That's uh, exciting to share. Uh, so can, everyone can connect me through my social medias uh, at Source Radiance on Instagram, uh, Source Radiance on Facebook, even though I have not been on Facebook as much over the past couple of years. Um, so I've been using a lot more through Instagram and also through Mighty Networks with the Light Beings and the Light Beings Instagram at the Light Beings and then at Source Radiance. I'm going to be building up more content on my YouTube now, which is also Source Radiance. And, uh, and we're getting the Light Beings website updated, which is lightbeingsministry.org. And that'll be um, up and running way more comprehensively uh, over the next few months. Uh, I have the Creatorhood Initiate Training, which is my public offering uh, of how to uh, learn, receive, and access uh, more inner wisdom through Creatorhood as a practice. And people can, there's a landing page I have available for that through my social medias that everyone can go and sign up. The next, I'm already in, in the next rounds of phase one and phase two. Now the, the next launch of them will be in January. So people can sign up with me there. Uh, and those are the spaces where I'm accessible right now in terms of the, the public formats. So the social medias and, uh, and the links that will be available for the courses if they want to d- dive more into creatorhood, for sure. It's been a real joy. It's always a joy to connect with you, man, and, and, and hear everything you have to share and get in these conversations with you and just 
you know, I think that space of curiosity, right? Going in that space of curiosity together and just seeing what, what kind of wisdom comes through and what gets channeled through. So deep appreciation and uh, look forward to more. Man. Me too, brother. Always an honor, man. Always. I love connecting and, and diving in these spaces with you. Very, very grateful. Thank you for being a part of this amazing community. The Brian Piergrossi Podcast is produced by Brian Piergrossi. Assistant producer, Giovanni Piergrossi. Please subscribe and leave a review or comment on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. You can find me online on Facebook or Instagram. For personal sessions with me, Contact me at thebigglow.com. That's T-H-E-B-I-G-G-L-O-W.com.